0: Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. As I mentioned to you just a moment ago, I was actually sitting at Starbucks on Dallin Road. Sometimes I'm able to slip in there and go to that back corner and kind of isolate myself. And uh, I was meditating and turning the noise down from the week and trying to dial in to this service and beginning to turn my heart and my thoughts towards you. That is a process. It doesn't always happen quickly. Um, But in this moment and this time, it, 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 it did for me. Because as I was looking out the window, just beginning to turn my thoughts towards this day, He dropped a phrase in my heart that I just had not considered, and that is uncertain times, uncertain times. We are living in uncertain times. Uh, We're all still contending with the pandemic, with COVID-19, we're still trying to understand the economics and what it's gonna look like. We're right in the middle of a presidential election, uh, historic turnout on the votes, And we're all trying to understand what the new norm is. Even now we're contending with it because as it sits today, we have two churches, the campus church and the online church. And I don't know that that will ever change. Pastors across the nation are trying to understand how do we do church in 2021 and beyond. I believe it's imperative that churches find the mind of God and that we do change. The message will never change but the method has to. New wine takes new wineskins. And we have to be careful that we don't get stuck in traditionalism. We have to be careful with that. Tradition is important. That's the living faith of dead men. But traditionalism is dangerous because that's the dead faith of living men. And there is a difference. And so we have to hold to our traditions without being bound to any methods. And we have to change as the kingdom of God advances. And so we're all trying to navigate through these uncharted waters. Uncertainty is the only certainty there is in life. If you're saying to me, pastor, I don't deal well with uncertainty well, you better get used to it because uncertainty is the only certainty there is in life. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. You have to learn how to live with uncertainty, and that's very uncomfortable for all of us. You see, we crave information about the future, and we perceive uncertainty as a threat. We need to know what's going on tomorrow. Research shows that the uncertainty of an action, the uncertainty of an action, is more damaging to our health than the action itself. Have you ever said before that, uh, oh, I just wish it would it just just happen. Just get it over with. You see, the, the uncertainty of an action, when is it gonna happen, can be more damaging to you than the action itself. Uncertainty and the stress and the anxiety that it brings on your body. Uncertainty can be detrimental to your mental, your physical and your emotional health. Researchers know this, our need for certainty and trying to understand what is coming tomorrow has created a whole industry. We have consultants and spiritualists and astrology apps and others. It's created this entire industry out there where people are constantly wanting to know what is coming tomorrow. Learning how to live in in uncertain times is the only security that you really have because uncertainty is a part of our life. And learning how to cope with that is very important for you, for your physical, your mental, your emotional health. Uncertainty and how to live in these uncertain times is critical for you and I in this time. Now, in Romans chapter eight, and verse 26, the apostle Paul, uh, dealing with chapter seven, really chapter seven, you remember, uh, uh, you know, it's dealing with the flesh and, and the struggles that we have. And then in chapter eight, he comes in with the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. And how that we've been freed from the spirit of the law and we have the spirit of life and, and that life is working within us. And so chapter eight is is trying to help us come out of chapter seven. And, and chapter eight in verse 26, he says, in the same way, and we're gonna talk about that here in just a moment, but in the same way, what he just said in verse 25, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We, don't, we do not know what we ought to pray for, uncertainty. We do not know, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now that's in the NIV, wordless groans. in the passion, it says, he intercedes on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs that are too deep for words. Wordless groans. I want you to know, that it is possible to live with certainty in uncertain times. Pray with me. Father, bless the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, I, th- I just believe you dropped this in my spirit for this congregation and those that are listening across Texas and, and the United States and perhaps around the world. People that are tuning in and that will tune in, this is a word for them. So I pray, Father that as we are in a global pandemic, that you will use this word to bring hope and encouragement to people. Bless it, anoint me, use me as a wordsmith. Fill my mouth with your words, life transforming words. I pray it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. The way of hope and perseverance. The way of hope and perseverance. Let's talk about that. I only have three points and I'm gonna be out of your way. The way of hope and perseverance. I mentioned to you just a moment ago that in verse 26, he said, in the same way. So when you read something like that, you've got to back up to understand what he's talking about. So you have to go back to verse 25. And in verse 25, he said, but if we hope for what we do not see uncertainty, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Then he said, in the same way, with hope that perseveres, the spirit helps us in the same way the way of hope and perseverance. That's how we get through these uncertain times. Hope that perseveres. That's how you make it. So let me give you just three things that you can take home with you, three tools for your tool pouch that maybe you can use in the coming uh, days, weeks, and months. Finding this hope. If that's important, hope that perseveres, then it's important that we find this hope that will help us to persevere. How do you do that? Number one, maintain a biblical framework in uncertain times. Maintain a biblical framework in uncertain times. Paul said in the same way, with hope, with hope that perseveres, when you do not see, when you don't understand, you've got to maintain a biblical framework. You see, we can't change reality, but we can reframe it. You can reframe it. I can't change it. I can't make the pandemic go away. I can't deal with economics. I can't, I, I can't change things. It's there. Like it or not, it is there. But I can reframe it. And that's the wonderful thing about being people of the kingdom of God. We can reframe things. The world is filled with fear and uncertainty. But you and I have a hope, a hope that perseveres. Even when we don't understand, even when we're unsure and we're uncertain, we have a hope that will help us to persevere. You see, it's important that you reframe things. The frame of biblical prophecy. The frame of biblical prophecy. Why is that important? Well, number one, we know that God has a plan and God is in control. And all things work to my good. So you see, that's why it's so important. I can take the pandemic. I can take the economics. I can take the presidential election. And I can reframe it. I can reframe it. As the world is filled with chaos chaos and confusion and uncertainty and fear, I can reframe it. Because I understand biblical prophecy. I can reframe it. I have a new perspective. I look at it. And I realize that God is in control. And God has a plan and that all things work to good to those that love the Lord. So through the pandemic, through the economics, through the hurricane season, through the fires out west and the rioting in our streets and and the presidential election, through all of this, I believe that I come out on the other side and all of it, if I will allow him, he will take it and work the angle of the good to my advantage. He didn't say it's all good, but he said in everything, good, bad and ugly, I will work the angle to your advantage if you will let me. So we have the privilege of a biblical framework. I can reframe it. I can reframe. I can look at it through a different lens. I can look at it with understanding. A biblical world view is what you and I do. And that's important. Number 2. By having this framework It gives me a roadmap that foretells our future. We know how this thing ends. We know how this thing is going to end up. It gives me a roadmap. I can take the Bible and I can use the Word of God as a roadmap. It tells me where we're going, it tells me how this ends, it tells me who wins this thing. We're on the winning side. We're on the winning side and in moments like this of uncertainty i don't make light of anything and if you if you misquote me god forgive you but listen even in the midst of a pandemic no matter how bad it is no matter what happens to me no matter what happens i'm on the winning side to be absent from this body is to be present with the lord so no matter what happens in this whole world i'm on the winning side We know how the story ends. So you have to frame it with biblical prophecy. Number three, it gives me an eternal perspective. And suddenly my values and my priorities start changing. So I look in this uncertain time that we're in and and, and it, it causes me to adjust and to be reminded of what really is important. My values come back to the surface. Things are reprioritized. Going through what we're going through right now, it helps you to reprioritize. Family. Serving God. Your health. All these things. Listen, it helps you to reprioritize. And it reminds you of what's really important in life. That's why. In the Old Testament, God said to Israel, if you won't bring correction to yourself, I will allow... Okay, I will allow, God doesn't cause it, but I will allow the Philistines to come in and let them judge you. You have to understand that everything in your life is father filtered. Now, it doesn't mean that it's all good. And I'm not telling you that God, al- that God causes a pandemic, but God allows things to happen. He uses things to get our attention And to bring a nation back to a place of repentance where they turn their hearts back to him. Israel, if you won't correct yourself, I will allow the Philistines to come in and they will correct you. God doesn't cause, but he does allow. And he works with it. And he uses it to get our attention. You see, you think God loves your stuff, but God loves you. And that stuff can come and that stuff can go and if god has to strip it away to get your attention he loves you enough to break you down financially to where you'll lift your heads up and turn your eyes towards him that's just the way it works guys listen he loves you enough he loves you enough to put you in time out as a loving father he'll put you in time out to get your attention and to get you to refocus he loves you enough to discipline you the new testament says if he doesn't discipline us then we're illegitimate children." the king james says we're bastards if he doesn't if he doesn't correct us then we're illegitimate children god loves us enough to get our attention everything is father filtered and if you know that if everything is father filtered then we should find peace and security in that Remember what I said earlier, learning how to live in uncertain times is the only security you have. You've got to learn how to settle down, know that it's all fathered, filtered, that God's in control. God's got a plan. Everything's going to work out and it helps me to reprioritize and get back to my core values and my core beliefs. Amen. Number four, I find my purpose in God's plan. In the midst of all this, I become purpose-driven and presence centered centered in his presence, driven by purpose. It helps me to find my purpose in God's plan throughout this entire year, 2020. I've been been searching and seeking God and saying, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want our church to do? What is the message of the hour? Where are you taking us? Where is the nation going? What are you getting ready to do? What's happening across this nation this year? People have been turning back to prayer. People have been turning back to God. People are seeking God again. And we're rediscovering our purpose on planet earth. It's not just the accumulation of things but it's the presentation of jesus christ and the kingdom of god to this lost and dying world a biblical perspective uncertain times will shake the spirit of complacency off of an uncertain world suzanne said it earlier oftentimes a great move of god comes on the heels of a moral midnight when something is happening when things are falling apart that's when revival breaks out that's when it does on the heels of calvary came pentecost that's the way god moves and i'm believing i'm believing that on the heels of this midnight that god's going to move again in america That God's going to stir the hearts of people. This uncertain time is going to knock the spirit of complacency off of people and off of a nation. As I've been saying all year, the time of the convenient Christian is over. 2 Peter 1.21. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by Holy Spirit. They were carried... So, in the same way, as he said in our text, in the same way, with hope, we will persevere. In the same way, the spirit of prophecy will carry us from where we are to where we need to be. The spirit of prophecy, the biblical framework, what's happening in the world? Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. Well, why why is there a pandemic? Let me me tell you what the Bible says. What's happening with the economy? Let me tell you what the Bible says. Well, what's going to happen with the presidential election? Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. Listen, we have to constantly help the world to see this through a biblical framework. Because they're in chaos and they're in confusion and they're in fear. And the church needs to be that stabilizing rudder that will bring that biblical understanding and that will bring stability and direction to people's lives. They need us to be a steady hand right now. That's why it's important that you and I learn how to live in uncertain times because that's the only security you have because uncertainty is certain and you've got to get ready for it. That's just a part of it. So you need a biblical framework. Number two, how do we deal with this? Learn the rhythm or the pace of grace. In our text, Paul said, in the same way with hope and perseverance, You're hoping, you're believing, you're persevering. And same way, Holy Spirit is going to help us in our weakness. Now, the word help there in the Greek, it means to take hold of opposite of another. To take hold of opposite of another. Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness. That word help, what that means is the imagery, of course, is that of two oxen that are being yoked together and they are bearing the burden together. And that's what Paul was saying to the church, that when you're hoping and you're persevering, you need to know that Holy Spirit wants to come alongside you and yoke up with you and he wants to partner with you. That word help means to be opposite of someone else and to help them. Holy Spirit wants to help you. Do we understand that? Listen. For years, I've said to the church, I wouldn't go to the post office without Holy Spirit. If Listen, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. But you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the baptism where Holy Spirit is able now to manifest his presence through your life. I wouldn't go to the post office without him. You need him. He wants to help you on a daily basis. Jesus said, if I don't come, he won't come. Excuse me. If I don't leave, he won't come. But if I do, he, the paraclete, will come alongside you, and he will guide you, and he will counsel you, and he will lead you on a daily basis. Listen, you need Holy Spirit to be opposite of you to help you in daily living. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to walk in the Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to direct you. You need need to come to the place where you're so sensitive to him. Where you're so sensitive to him, where he can just nudge you and say, don't do that. Where he can nudge you and say, you need to avoid that. Listen, there's been times in my life and with my family when the Holy Spirit has nudged me and said, "Uh uh-uh, don't do that. He has nudged me. And said, so avoid that. He has nudged me and, and saved us from situations. Listen, whew, you need Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. Say, no, Pastor, you're trying to scare me. Okay, I'm trying to scare you, but you need to get, you need to pay attention. in the coming days, in the coming days, and the things that are coming upon this earth, you need Holy Spirit. You need Holy Spirit. If you go to the grocery store, if you go to Walmart, wherever you go, you need Holy Spirit. He needs to be able to stir you in the night and wake you up and say, get up and pray. And you get up and pray and you pray until you feel a release and then you go back to bed. You don't know what you just saved your family from. You don't know of a break-in or or something, a tragedy that could strike your family. I'm telling you, especially you men of God that are the priest of your home, you want to wear the britches, then man up and be filled with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, your family will follow you, I promise you. Every woman in this room and online is waiting for a man of God in their home to step up and man up and know that being a man, it's more about cussing and drinking and fornicating. It's about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit being able to lead him and lead his family in righteousness and protection in these coming days. down. Where are we? Learning the rhythm of grace. He said, I'm gonna shoulder this thing with you. He said, I'm gonna help you in your weakness. The word weakness there in the Greek means frailty. Now the imagery again is the yoke. Matthew 11, 29 and 30. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burdens light." But let's read it in the message Bible. Walk with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I could preach an hour right there. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, you remember, he said, if you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. Okay? But in the NIV, I think it says, since we live in the Spirit, keep in step with Holy Spirit. Keep in step. Now, if you look at two, two, two oxen, and they're yoked up, they yoked up and they're plying in the field. In order for them to be successful and to plow a straight row they have to just you got to stay in step you got to stay in step you can't pull you can't work against each other you got to stay in step and that's why it's so important that we walk in the spirit and we keep in step with holy spirit so we can plow and we can be effective and we can be successful and we can produce amen we need to keep in step with Holy Spirit. You need to learn how to walk with Holy Spirit. You need to learn, you need to learn how to stay in step with him to where he can lead you and your family and your business and your church and your community. You need to learn how to walk and stay in step with Holy Spirit. He wants to lead you every day of your life. If you'll listen to him, he'll lead you every day, every day. You've got to stay in step with him. Don't trip over each other. Don't, get, don't step on each other's toes, but learn to walk together. Learn to keep in step. It's the rhythm, the pace of grace. Now, as you remember, grace is more than just unmerited favor. It has to do with uncommon ability. God's given me the grace to do the things that I do. God's given you the grace to do the things you do. I've said it to you many times. With the call comes a grace to endure the calling. That's why you need to stay in your lane. If you're not called to do something, stay away from it, because you won't have the grace to endure it. But if you're called, he'll give you the grace. People ask me all the time, "How do you do what you do?" I just, I've had, I, I keep getting these, these, uh, e- these requests from Lamar students that are saying, "I'm writing a paper on government. Would you let me interview you?" And and they they keep asking this question, "How do you do this?" You know. How are you doing this? And, and, and you, you have to just teach these young people that, listen, this isn't for everybody to be the pastor of one city church. Uh, not in my city. United Aid of Southeast Texas. Beaumont City Council. And all the ministries that we do here in and through this church. But the, the reason you're able to, to manage that and to, to negotiate that is because of the grace of God that comes over you. There's a grace to do that as with a missionary or with anyone that's called to teach or any, any ministry to run a business, there's a grace that comes over you. And, and you'll notice that when people are operating in their calling and they're operating underneath their, their grace, they're what we call in the zone. It energizes them, it energizes them because they're doing what they were born to do. And so we've gotta learn the rhythm of grace, the pace of operating in grace. During this time of uncertainty, they're saying right now, psychologists across the nation are saying that the, the mental and the emotional state of our nation is not good. They're talking about how that alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, domestic violence is on the rise. Suicide. The nation right now is sick. It's a sick nation right now because of the pandemic and all that has taken place right now. It's, it's more than they can handle. It's overload. And that's why I just believe that God is allowing things. It's father filtered and it's setting a nation up for the church to step up at the appointed time. And with, under the grace of God. The ability to live in uncertain times and be that stabilizing force and to bring a hope, to bring a message, to bring direction, to bring the kingdom of God. I just believe, I want to believe, I want to believe that the glory of God is coming. And when it fills our churches, people are going to rush our churches looking for an answer, looking for hope. That's why it's so important that you and I right now. Learning how to live in in uncertain times, we learn how to keep in step with Holy Spirit right now. Listen, we can't afford to be stressed out. We can't afford to be depressed. We can't afford that. Right now, the church has got to step up and be the church. And we've got to bring a message of hope to the world. Right now, we need the rhythm of grace. Now, the rhythm of grace. You need to know that with the call comes a grace to endure the calling. And you need to know... That you've got to stay in your lane, as I said. So you've got to get in where you fit in, where you fit. Don't try to force it, okay? Because he said, I'm not going to put anything that's ill-fitting on you. He said, it's not going to be an unforced grace, and it's not, it's not going to be ill-fitting. Listen, if you're doing something that doesn't fit you, then get out of it. If you're, in a, if you're in a jacket that don't fit you, take it off and buy one that does fit you. Get into something that fits. How many has ever seen somebody that wearing clothes that's about three sizes too small? Come on. Have you ever wanted to go up to somebody and say, mm, no, not so much. Go home, baby, and change. No, that ain't working for you. Three sizes too small. I've watched people through the years and churches do things I'm thinking that don't fit you. That don't fit you. He said, I won't put anything ill-fitting on you. He said, I'm not going to learn the rhythm of grace. Learn to get in where you fit in. Learn to, to stay, to keep in step with Holy Spirit. Learn that. It's okay. i said it to you before. I wish I could sing, but I can't sing. I envy these guys. I envy them because I, w- I love to worship. I wish I could sing, but I can't. But I, I just do what I can do. So you've got to get in where God has you. And you've got to remember, guys, whatever He's given you, remember that, that thing around your neck. That's not a yoke, it's a mantle. And it's not a burden, it's a joy. And so when times get tough and you're in the grind and you're keeping in step with Holy Spirit and you're operating in your grace and you're in your lane, there are times it's going to get tough. But you have to remember, you have to remind yourself, this is not a yoke. This is a mantle. This is not a burden. It's a joy. It's a privilege. So know this. Now this is key. We're talking about Holy Spirit helping us we're talking about keeping in step with him because we're yoked up with him keeping in step he said holy spirit will help you in your weakness accepting your weakness activates the strength of the holy spirit you know why holy spirit can't help us half the time because we won't accept our weakness we won't accept our weakness i've said it to, for years in hiring staff and looking for staff That you hire people that compensate for your weaknesses and complement your strengths. That's what Holy Spirit does. He compensates for your weaknesses and he complements your strengths. But you know, he can't help us because we don't want to say, I don't know. Now, is that what he said in our text? He said, in the same way, through hope and perseverance. In the same way, Holy Spirit is going to help us in our weakness. Because we don't know what to pray for. We are living in uncertain times. Did you know it's a real revelation for someone when you wake up one morning and you realize that you don't know everything? <laughs> Do you know that's a very liberating thing to be able to look at people and say, I don't know. When I was a younger preacher, I felt pressure and a responsibility to have an answer for everybody. But as I got older, I realized that, that's, never, that's not going to work. And so I have no problem. someone coming to me and saying, Pastor, I, can you tell me, I, I just don't understand. Can you tell me what this is or why that's happening or what's going to happen? Or can you deal with this? And I look and say, I don't know. That's okay. That's not a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength. Holy Spirit and his strength is activated when I embrace my weakness. In my weakness, the Bible says, he is made strong. You see, he can't help me as long as I'm saying, I got this. Now, we're yoked up together. Envision that. Not a a wooden yoke as with an oxen, but let's envision that with a mantle. It's around his neck, it's around my neck. And I'm trying to keep in step with Holy Spirit. And I'm either dragging, I'm either dragging behind or I'm pushing forward ahead of him. And I'm not staying in step with him. I'm not keeping in step like a with a dancer. I'm constantly either pushing forward or falling back. And, and, and I'm jerking and pulling and, and I'm constantly saying, I've got this. And Holy Spirit is saying, son, I'll help you if you'll let me. If you'll just let me, I want to help you but I I can't activate his strength because I'm unwilling to acknowledge my weakness. Some of the, we all understand that in a service, the greatest miracles take place when I take my hands off the service. When I say, Holy Spirit, you got this. So we have to understand that our, our, our accepting our weakness activates his strength. Uncertainty is the condition that reveals the rhythm of grace between a man and Holy Spirit. Uncertainty is the condition that reveals that rhythm and that pace of grace. Whenever a man or a woman is able to say, I don't know. Whenever a man or a woman says, I'm gonna take my hands off of this. Here's the thing guys, as long as I remain in control, he can't. But when I take my hands off, When I say, Holy Spirit, you're in charge. I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to keep in step with you. I'm going to do what I can do, and I'm going to let you take care of the rest. When I'm able to say, I don't know, I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know. When I say, I don't have the answer. But you see, we struggle with that. We struggle with that. In uncertain times, when we, when we don't know, when we don't know, we struggle with it because of our pride. We don't want to say, I don't know. And our pride keeps us from activating the strength of Holy Spirit. It keeps us. But whenever a man or a woman, as I've said to you for years, has a quiet confidence that's clothed in humility, He knows knows who he is and who he's not in Christ, quiet confidence. And there's a grace upon me to do what I do and it's clothed in humility. Suddenly, that's a man or a woman that Holy Spirit can get in step with and in the condition of uncertainty where that man says, I don't know. Holy Spirit's able to step up and manifest his strength like no other time. How many? How many wants to? How many wants to? To really get close to God. I mean, you really, you, His presence. You love His presence. You, you love His, his yeah, yeah. His. Okay, well, here's some scripture for you. Where you can. How many wants to find God? Let's do it that way. You won't find God. Where's God at? Where's God? Okay, you won't find him. You won't find him. You won't find him. You really won't find him. He said, "I'm an ever-present help in the time of trouble." You still won't find him? (laughs) The greatest revelations that you'll have of God often comes in times of trouble. Abraham would have never learned him as Jehovah Jireh if he had not climbed that mountain with that boy. Oh, my goodness. See, we don't preach like that anymore. But the greatest revelations you have of God often is in times of trouble. It's easy on the mountain, but it's down in the valley where you really dig in deep. That's where you find him. I'm an ever-present help, he said, in times of trouble. I said it to you months ago as we were getting into this pandemic this year. I said, listen, you got to realize that he's at present help. If you'll dig in this year, you can have a new revelation of him that you never had before. God's ready to reveal himself. Uncertainty is the condition that reveals, man, The rhythm of grace between a man and Holy Spirit. I got to get off of this. We got to go. We got to go. But just know this. There is something so powerful about seeing a man or a woman that's in step with Holy Spirit. In step. They're in that rhythm, that pace of grace where he's using them either through through, uh, let's say, teaching or preaching or worship or anything. It's, it's to see, to see the grace of God on a, on a man's life, on a woman's life, in business, in the marketplace. To see, to see that. To watch people as they're doing what they were called, what they were born to do. And to watch a man or a woman that's just in step with Holy Spirit, and, and just to see that is such a beautiful thing. And that's what happens in uncertain times when we're able to say, I don't know. And the Holy Spirit says, I got this. Number three. Number three. So, trying to understand how do you deal with uncertainty, uncertain times, a biblical frame. The world can freak out. We're okay, because we, we know we got biblical prophecy. we got the spirit of prophecy. We know what the future holds. Number two, we're learning how to keep in pace with Holy Spirit. We're walking with him, and he's, we're just right there with him. He's helping us. He's helping us in our weakness of not knowing, uncertainty. He's helping us. The third thing you can do is make room for God. Take a deep breath. Okay. James 4.16. As it is, you're full of your grandiose selves. Don't you love the book of James? It's just so good. If you can read the book of James and stay saved, then you're good. You're good to go. He said, you're full of yourself. Okay, you're full of yourself. Now remember what I just said? Accepting our weakness is how we release the strength of Holy Spirit, or we realize it, okay? By saying, I don't know, okay? There is no room for the mind of God in the mind full of self. There's no room in there. When you're in a service and you're constantly looking. and I'm, Now I'm just talking to you as a pastor, because that's what I do, but you're constantly looking for those little small openings that lead us to places of enlargement. You're constantly sensing, Holy Spirit, where are you moving us? Where are you taking us? What do you want to do? In those moments, you, one of the th- things that's so hard to do is to turn off the noise. The service and the announcements and what we got to do next and and, and where are we go—it's so hard. You got to turn that off. You got to turn off the noise, and you've got to you've got to clear your mind in the sense that you're you're, you're listening and, and 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 that's why the Bible says to to listen more than you speak. Learn to listen and and to turn off the noise, and because sometimes all the thoughts that we have in our mind it crowds out the mind of God. Because we have a tendency to want to fix everything, to be in charge, to be in control, especially type A personalities that you, you're constantly wanting to fix things. You're wanting to, and your motive is, is, is good, good and right. There's been times that I've wanted to fix things for people and, and you just, you start, to, you start to, to step in, the Holy Spirit says, just hang on a second. And it's like, don't fix what I'm trying to do. Let this play out. Let me work in their life. But if you go storming in there and try to fix this thing, you're going to mess it all up. There are times when you have to learn to back off and let God do what God's doing. Just leave it alone. But we want to fix things and we want to be in control and we want to, you know, we want to speak up and we have the answer. And and sometimes we need to back off. We need to back off and let God be God. We don't need to crowd him out. We crowd God out. That's why I told you here a few weeks ago, there's times when I'm preparing and I'll get in my message and I'll hit a, I'll hit a wall and they call that writer's block. And, and I'll have to get away from my, my desk and I'll either, I'll, 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 I'll go lay down sometimes for, for a minute and I'll just, I'll get quiet. Now I can't tell you how many times this has happened. I, I can't, I can't tell you. How many times I've gone and like maybe lay down on the couch or, or go lay down on my bed just for a minute and just close my eyes and get still and get quiet and quit trying to dig it out. And in that moment, Holy Spirit whispers to me. And this. there it is. And I jump up with a revel- revelatory knowledge and I go to my computer and I type it out. Because what I was looking for, Holy Spirit had, had it all the time. But my mind was crowding out Holy Spirit. My mind was crowding out the mind of God. One of the best things we can do is to say, I don't know and let Holy Spirit say, I got this. Are you with me? You okay? You see, there's no room for the mind of God in a mind that's full of self. What we know can keep us from the discovery of what we don't know. That's why when you deal with certain things, especially with eschatology, and you get in the end time events, some of those things we hold loosely. When it comes to things like the second coming of Christ, be careful. Locking yourself down to certain things. Sometimes, in our arrogant attitude, we, we've got all this figured out. And sometimes, what you know can prevent you from discovering what you don't know. Sometimes, I didn't say this, I heard somebody else say it. I'm gonna steal it. Sometimes, the best thing you can do as a teacher. No no no. The best thing you can do as a teacher is to always remain a student. <laughs> I heard brother Clinton years ago and I was just I just I, I was in my early 20s or late teens. I heard him say one time that a young man sent him a resume applying for a job at the church and on the resume he said I finished my education. Brother Clinton took it through it in the garbage can. He said, "Well, then he's finished." He's finished. He finished his education, so he's done. He's over. He's learned all he's ever gonna learn. Listen, the best thing we can do as teachers is to remain a student and to say, I don't know. There's more to learn. What you know can, can prevent you from discovering what you don't know. That's why you have to back up from a situation and look at it from a different angle that's why oftentimes i will we'll pull the staff together and say okay let's strategize come up with some ideas think outside the box take the box and throw it out the window there is no box think about it look listen you don't you, you don't want to surround yourself with yes people you want to surround yourself with people as i said earlier that will complement that will compensate for your weaknesses and complement your strengths you want people that can be critical thinkers without being critical people There's a difference between being a critical thinker. A critical thinker will take something and spin it and say, pastor, look at it from that angle. Just take a different perspective. And a wise man or a wise woman will surround themselves with people that will challenge the status quo. Oh, I'm preaching way better. What you have in mind can push out the plan of God. You've got in mind to do something. I'm going to do this. It's going to fix my business. It's going to fix my church. It's going to fix my family. It's going to, what you've got in your mind can push out God's plan. You push it right out. How many times have I thought, this is it. And Holy Spirit says, no, this is it. And I went, Phew. boy, did I miss that one? Be careful with that. The power of we do not know. Oh, Jesus. Okay, David, come help me. Push on me. Make some noise. Make some music. The power of we do not know. We do not know. He said, we don't know what to pray for. Did you know that the greatest discoveries and revelations are made in moments of uncertainty? When you don't know what to pray for, that's when you discover something new, revelatory knowledge. He said, the spirit himself will intercede for us. Intercession by the Holy Spirit is activated by the humble admission, I don't know. How many wants Holy Spirit to intercede for you? Well, then you activate that by saying, I don't know. Because he said, when I say, I don't know, Holy Spirit will step up and intercede for me. But as long as you've got this, as long as you're full of yourself, you're full of your ideas and your your thoughts, you're pushing out the mind of God, you're pushing out the plan of God, and Holy Spirit can intercede for you. You've got to learn to say, I don't know. Number three, at the end of our words, Holy Spirit releases the language at a deeper level. Now let me let me say that again. Because he said, He will intercede for us through wordless groans. Wordless groans. Okay. At the end of our words, Holy Spirit releases the language at a deeper level. I'll explain it. Psalms 42. My deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. Right now, the Holy Spirit is saying to us, this nation will say is not healthy. Mentally, emotionally, some cases physically, the nation is not healthy. People are medicating themselves. People are getting in the grips of a depression. People are committing suicide. Businesses are collapsing. Children are suffering. There's a, there's, a lot things, there's a lot of stuff going on, okay? Right now, more than ever, we need to come to a place where we say, I don't know. And I don't know what, I don't know what tomorrow may hold. But I know God's in control. I know ultimately we're going to win this thing. But I don't know what tomorrow holds. It's, it's, I, I don't know exactly. I, I'm not sure about some things. I've got some questions, but that's okay. And in that moment, when we, when we rely on Holy Spirit, He begins to intercede for us, okay? He begins to intercede for us. And He does it when we run out of words. And He said, it's with wordless groans, That come out the passion Bible says it's emotional sighs that are deeper than words There are some times when you can go through something that words will fail you And what we need to do is learn how to process those emotions through prayer He said holy spirit is going to groan through us Who's going to do the groaning? You are You're going to do the groaning. You don't have to medicate yourself. You can have a release of emotions. You can have a release of all that stuff through prayer. Are you tracking? Instead of medicating, go into prayer and release those feelings that are deeper than words. You can groan in the Spirit. You can sigh in the Spirit. You can allow Holy Spirit to pray through you. He'll release all you. How many times have I come in this sanctuary and I've been so heavy and I've been so burdened that words failed me. And I've noticed that when I reach the end of my words suddenly Holy Spirit can kick in and He begins to groan through me. And suddenly I'm pouring out my heart in private. I'm 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 venting and I'm releasing all those emotions that are deeper than words. And you can get up and walk out and live to fight another day. What this world needs right now, alcohol sales are up by what? It's over 200%. It's some stupid number. What, we, what, the, what America needs right now is not another bottle. It's not another pill. It's not. And I'm not. Listen. I'm not attacking people that are, are medicating. That's not my point. But my point is I see their need. But their remedy is the wrong one. What you need is to go into prayer. What you need is to pray until you run out of words. And all you can do is groan. All you can do is sigh. All you can do is weep. All you can do is groan in his presence. And he will empty you of all those negative emotions. Groaning. You need your prayer language more now than ever. times in this room there's been times in my home at three o'clock in the morning recently at my home at three in the morning or, or in the in the afternoon or here in this sanctuary that I've gone into prayer and I just prayed with my prayer language because it's to a place where I say I don't know and i hook up under the mantle with holy spirit remember it means help me the one that's opposite of me and i hook up with him puts a shoulder into it and i say i don't know he says that's okay son come on we got this and i pray in the spirit you need your prayer language now more than ever you need to pray in the spirit more than ever because that comes from deep Deep, deep inside of you, an emotion that's deeper than your words, and a a prayer that's deeper than what you can feel and understand. And you're able to pray. And when you do, Holy Spirit is groaning through you. He's praying through you, and He's interceding through you. And all of that junk that you pick up from this world is coming out. the emotion and the confusion and the chaos and the hurt and the uncertainty and the fear. All that is coming out. And you get up. And you live to fight another day. You need this more than ever right now my deep calls out to the deep kindness of your love psalms 42 okay so the way to find hope that perseveres in uncertain times number one maintain a biblical framework number two learn the rhythm of grace number three make room for god don't push him out by saying i got this it's okay to say i don't know it is, impo- or it, it is possible, it is possible to live with certainty in uncertain times. I may not know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I know who holds me in the palm of his hand. And I'm certain of that. Amen. Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.